Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at kineticdogfood. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out. Horizonstructures.com. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I am Ted Summers from a very wintry... Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's cold as hell here. <laughs> With me as always from Canton, Ohio, which I'm sure is cold also, is Eric Stambro. You have the Swap Boys there today. I saw that. Yeah, so I had, you know, it was me and uh, I have that canine school going on right now. So at the facility, we were just, you know, and it, it's been really shitty. Even for Ohio standards, it's been pretty cold. It's raining now, which is supposed to turn to snow and then sleet or whatever uh, shit tonight, which, um, yeah, which sucks. But so anyways, we, we were inside most of the day. We went out and did some tracking. But at night at three o'clock, then I had two huge SWAT teams doing a big medical class. So there was 50 guys there. Um, I left, uh, you know, my, but my you guys have a heater. Did. We it's heated. Yes. In yeah. the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. So yeah. which is most important in Ohio, apparently heat and bathrooms. They'll come tracking. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. The, and. They've done a few medical classes there. You know, that, that building's 40,000 square feet. They can build, they can do um, stations all over the place and never really run into each other. And it works out pretty good. They thought they were going to land a, um, a, uh, a chopper in <laughs> a life flight helicopter in the parking lot. I was like, guys, <laughs> there's power lines right through the middle of the parking lot. Yeah. And I said, you're yep. going to have 45 cars. You're just going to be shooting rock missiles in through everybody's windows with that helicopter. I'm not, you're not landed here, but they found a school, an old, they got insurance on the road. <laughs> yeah. be all right. They got insurance. I said, let me know when that's <laughs> happening. I'm moving my van. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it worked out pretty good. I've got, um, some floppier dogs coming in from Germany on the ninth, which I haven't imported floppies in a while, like a long while. Um, but you know, I've got requests for them. So, I imported some uh, pointy-eared singles recently, and I'll tell you what, man, like, they're gangster. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. they're super nice. So, uh, I mean, I'm not complaining. And uh, it's just like COVID has 
just messed up everything. And then based on what's going on now, like I'm not sure it's going to get any better. <laughs> so uh, COVID ends and then World War III starts. So yeah, yeah we're recording that. this on the day that Russia invaded Ukraine to give everybody a little bit of context of what, what date it is. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so there's uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> we um, we have a we have a great guest on tonight. Um, I repeat. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, second time on. He was on way back in the early stages of the podcast. Like way back when we did hits in Maryland and DC, yeah. whatever, same thing. Yeah, so we were we were out inside in the uh, lobby area. People are walking by, and if you go back and listen to the episode, you can hear. But there's so many shout outs to to our guests <laughs> as we're walking by and waving it. It knows you know half the people there. So we didn't have video and, back then, so. Yeah, <laughs> there's no video evidence, but <laughs> so here's the weird thing, man. So I, I have all, I always say that uh, our guest coming up is Kenny Licklider. Kenny, how are you, buddy? Doing good, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Great to have Thanks you on. on. So I tell people all the time, um, you know, I, it's it's weird in this industry to be famous to have fame. I said, and, and Kenny's the, in my opinion the most famous guy in the canine world. But there's still tons of people who are like, have you heard of? Vaughn licks Vaughn yeah. something in Indiana, and I'm like, yeah, dude. I mean, what are you yeah. even doing? <laughs> that it's the largest kennel in the United States. What are you talking about? But I mean, <laughs> I know <laughs> some guys play video games, other guys study this business. So, um, Kenny, it's great to have you on, man. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day. You're, um, you know, been busy as shit forever. Um, so Thank what happens is, you know, Ted and I put out the video and a request for guys that um, might want to come on that have that retired from the military or law enforcement or got out and are doing something in the canine world as a civilian. So Kenny reached out and said, uh, yeah, I do a lot with canine and have for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the response was hilarious because they were like, they sent us your resume. Somebody did. And I was like, yeah, we know. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, I know the fuck you are, Kenny. Like, yeah. But I was like, he didn't well, send that secretary to us. I didn't know if you knew. I, what? Oh, you know, yeah, I, exactly. I was like, what? that was the internal discussions we were having. I was like, somebody sent this. It wasn't him. Like, because yeah. he's been on the show once. And I was like, of course, we know the fuck Kenny is. Like, <laughs> so I was like, but I appreciate it. Like, I appreciate the yeah. professionalism. It's fine. I get it. That's all. Like, yeah. Know. Like I just said, <laughs> you know, there's a kid that works for me, Jordan. I've mentioned him numerous times. And Jordan's a young guy in his 20s. And he's uh, a trooper. And he works for me about half a day each day. Um, he had no idea. He, he, he had, had never heard. And I'm like, yeah, you better school yourself on some of these folks before we have yeah. a conversation. So, <laughs> so Kenny, um, real quick, a lot of people know your background. I, I guess apparently some don't. So let's, let's talk about like this concept we're talking about, how you got what, in, in the military, what you did with the dogs, what your mindset was when you were leaving to, to, you know, cause some people, when they get towards the end of that stable career, they get nervous. Yeah. They're like, what am I going to do? Well, I mean, guys, you have a skill set. That's what our whole point is. And if you, if you don't mind rehashing a little bit of history for us. No, not at all. Um, I'm a little older than a lot of the people now. I, I used to be the young guy. I'm not anymore. Uh, in the seventies, there really wasn't a lot going on. And I couldn't afford college, so I had to do something, and the military was my choice. I went in, had no clue about dog handling, 
had no clue about cops, but they needed cops at that time. I went in, I played a little bit of ball. Back then, every general had his own ball team. So they knew who my father was who played ball. Make a long story short, I got into canine through playing softball and baseball. <laughs> uh, spent my entire career in the military uh, in the in the canine career field, like a, from handler of all kinds of dogs to trainer to kennel master. And then I made some rank and they tried to move me out of it. And uh, I wasn't going for that. I, I was an E-8 in the Air Force. I had 16 years in. I was at a base. They were closing. And our good president back then, I won't mention any names, it stayed non-political. He, uh, he decided that anybody that was an E-6 or above with this, at a closure base could fully retire. And you talked about some people drag their feet. I ran to my, my commander's <laughs> office and I told him, I'm not asking you, I'm retiring. You're and like, I got, I already got the 214 tattoo. I'm ready. I got it. I got it right here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, I came home that night and told my family, I'm retired. And I had a one year old, a two year old, no job, no, no nothing. But I knew the military had gotten not right for me. And I knew from training with a lot of the civilians out here that, that, that work could be done, improvements could be made. And I'd been working with quite a few of them in Ohio and in Indiana, all around here. So I started a kennel in my, my, my first classroom was in my living room. My first kennel was in my garage. And now we've got over 600 acres, kennels in California, Holland, um, affiliates in Turkey, um, South America, South Africa. We, we just, we're having a blast. We're training dogs. We're training dogs with good people. And that's the best part about my life. I always like to ask guys, and because I don't think we asked this the first time you're on, that have gotten large. Now, nobody can really, um, you know, relate to how large you got. But some guys, you know, they've gotten some pretty decent sized kennels. And I'm like, do you ever sit around every once in a while and go, man, when we had 10 kennels, it was so nice. It was so much easier. Yeah. We do it all the time because in the beginning, you know, we were just busting ass with, with, with good young guys and it was a lot of new stuff and we were, we we're trying to put out the best dogs we could and we still do that now, but as you get bigger, the complications get bigger. Um, things have changed so much. When the war started, we were deep into that and uh, that kept us super, super busy. And I think I've told some people, I think I lost a little bit of sight because I was so busy that I didn't think about keeping that motor running and keeping the contacts going. So when the war had ended, all my contacts had gotten old like me. They had either moved on or died. So we're really pushing it now to get back in there and let people know. You say some people don't know who we are. Well, you know, that, that, that's my fault. And uh, right now we're making a concerted effort to let people know that we're here to work. We could be your Indian. We don't have to be the chief. But uh, during the war, we were so busy, we couldn't keep up. So now we're trying to build that back up. Yeah, we remember uh, Ted and I had talked about this before when you, I think I asked you or Ted asked you in the first episode was what happened the day after 9-11? Yeah. Like, the phone just exploded. It was crazy. Probably um, a poor choice of words. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. I mean. <laughs> oh, the explosion, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the bomb dog prior to 9-11 was just about, well, it wasn't going away, but it wasn't doing anything either. People looked at the bomb dog as a something. If, if you needed it, go 
go find one. 9-11 hit, everybody wanted to be a bomb, get a bomb dog and everybody wanted to be a bomb dog trainer. People came out of the woodwork. All the, all the bosses went to their, their, their training groups and, their, and, their, and their, their, their canine guys and said, make me some bomb dogs. But what they didn't realize is back then there were very few bomb dogs. Most of the trainers were drug dog trainers and most of them were aggressive response drug dog trainers. <laughs> So here you go. Yeah. So here you go, guys. That were good trainers. Sing, single purpose, single use bomb dogs. <laughs> all they knew how to do was throw the pipes. All they knew how to do was play towel and yeah. get these dogs aggressive to learn the odor. Well, 9 11 hit and they said, Get me some bomb dogs. Of course, these trainers, you know how we are. I'll get it for you, sir. Well, the only way they knew how to imprint odor was aggressively. And it's still happening today. There are still trainers out there that are throwing towels and, and, and getting these dogs to aggress on a bomb and they don't know they're not they're not thinking about law of privacy they're not thinking about you're teaching this dog to go out find it grab it and bring it back to you and put it in your hand um so that was a big curve that we had to get get through and get over and some people did and some people didn't but uh it was a neat time bomb dog uh, the war we learned so much about bomb dogs you can't even write it all down so bad time but good time so uh, this is a question I, I don't think I've ever asked anybody because I don't know where the genesis of this was. Maybe you maybe you do. And this is based off of something Ted said that he he's got some pointy single pointy eared single dogs coming in. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, you used to be able to sell Malinois single purpose dogs. Now everybody's like, oh, floppy, 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 floppy. What happened? Where did that change where this narrative came out that? That it's just too scary for a single purpose dog to have to be a Malinois. Cameras on your uniform. Cameras on your uniform. What's happening with all the things that went on in Minneapolis and all the other places, people were recording. You know, I, I've been a cop since the 70s and we didn't have all this going on, which is some of it's very good because we don't want abusiveness, we don't want all that. But too many guys were making mistakes with their dual purpose dogs and the bosses now don't want the headache. They don't want the, they don't want to be responsible for that. So their answer is just go to a Labrador, just go to a pointer, just go to something that, that won't bite. Um, yeah. 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 And you know, they will. <laughs> yeah. They German will. short hair pointers will bite you all day. Yes. The worst, <laughs> the worst ass whipping I ever took was from a golden retriever. And I hate telling people that because I train a lot of mouths. But this yeah. golden retriever whooped me. Um, but we still train a ton of pointy ears. Um, uh, the U.S. Secret Service, they prefer them. So, you know, a lot of our customers still do, but a lot of them have switched to, the, you know, the, the GSPs and the labs, of course. But it happened because of the climate out there now. Um, I'm getting calls every other day from defense attorneys wanting me to testify for them and i will not do that Yeesh. i will not do that but i do get them to send me the now i probably won't get any ever again but mm -hmm. that's fine send me <laughs> send the videos and stuff uh -huh. and what i'm seeing we really need to reassess some things in our in our career field and i'm saying that as one of the oldest guys in it so i love it i eat live and breathe it but we got cameras everywhere now and we shouldn't have been doing it anyway so I think that's where the single purpose dogs have really took off. Yeah, it's it's like um, a narrative that started somewhere and then now 
admins or lieutenants or whatever will say, no, 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 we have to have a floppy year because of perception. And they don't even know why, honestly. They just they been told no. that. Yeah. Talk, to, talk about the our liability thing we always talk about. <laughs> liability is a myth. Well, and yeah. so in and that's what I tell. Like I and these two single purpose dogs that I'm training right now are both pointing one the German Shepherd who probably could be a dual purpose dog. And another he's the Malinois is definitely like he's Mr. Social. And I can tell that he was raised in a house right. in Europe and they try to do some sport work with him and he was just like, meh. Not about it. Like, he'll do it, but he he ain't about that life. But fuck around if you want to chase a goddamn tennis ball. <laughs> and that dude, his name's Aslan. He's great. And uh, super nice dog. But when we got these dogs, um, like, the people that the bottom were kind of like, you know, we're worried about the way that they look. And I'm like, well, they look like dogs. They look like dogs. <laughs> I'm like, they got 42 teeth, two ears, you know, two nuts. I mean, they're dogs, right? And they're like, well, you know, we're worried that they're going to look like, that, you know, that and they're working in a correctional facility. So I was kind of like, you know, what's the, I mean, you know, what's the, what's the hang up? And they're like, well, they look intimidating. And I'm like, don't you own, well, somebody yeah. on the board, I was like, don't you own like a couple of German shepherds and like, don't somebody belong your, but like, don't you people own these dogs? And they're like, oh, it's different. They're pets. I'm like, no, that's really not. And I was like, it's still a dog. Like, and I was like, and so they're like, well, we're worried what it'll look like. And I'm like, you know, where I'm at, Oklahoma is hundred percent of false state. And I was like, if your single purpose dog bites somebody, you're gonna have as much liability as if your dual purpose dog does. Like more. You won't, yeah, but you won't have any qualified immunity right, <laughs> when your right. single purpose dog bites somebody. You're hosed. Right. So I was like, you're. I was like, it's not. I was like, liability is a myth. Like it's not a real thing. Like you give them guns and cars, but you're worried about giving them a dog. Like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, come but- on, meow. Like, so, I mean, their job is to find, these dogs are just to find drugs. That's all they do. And then, you know, I tell admins, I say, like, their dogs, their job is to find drugs and bite shitheads or yeah. whatever, drugs and bombs and bite shitheads. I'm like, that's their job. That's it. That's all they do. So it, it becomes this like public perception of, I've got to have the floppier because it's easier to sell. And I'm like, to who? And I don't understand the concept. And they're like, we're worried about errant bites. I'm like, well, what about happens when you shoot someone, even if it's legit? Like, believe me. And the, and you were just mentioning at the time of the body cam and the time of the cell phone cam and everything else. And everybody goes on. And the, the first thing that everyone says is when somebody uses lethal force is like, why didn't they use non-lethal force? And you're like, well, they didn't have it. Why didn't they have it? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not my problem. But what I know <laughs> is they used the force appropriate for the time and the situation right then and a reasonable officer would do the same thing but a dog, and nobody ever talks about that so it's just like back and forth so i i love it and i i i do it all the time i advocate for 20 years and people come to me for single purpose dogs i'm like get a point year they're awesome they're yeah. easier to find too yeah honestly like so if you're listening to this and you're a trainer single purpose like pointy ears are much easier to find the floppies because everybody's like oh gotta have floppy gotta have floppy i honestly and kenny like maybe you can like like weigh in on this but i think the large government agencies had a lot to do with it because part of their SOW had to do with sporting breeds. And if you can't see me on YouTube, I'm making the air quotes, but yes. like, Oh, they've got to be sporting breeds. And everybody's like, well, I don't want any Malinois anymore. So yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a myth. You, you hit it on the head. Um, the, the, the German short hair pointers are now the, the in thing where the labs were the only thing for a long time. And the German short hair pointer, when, when I train them, they're different. And, and if you don't understand that, like they don't want to sit naturally, they want to point. That's why they're called pointers. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's in the name. Yeah, it's in the name. But them, them little bastards, they want to air scent and run yeah. around and lock on as if it's a bird in the bush. Yeah. But they're trainable and they're they're great dogs. So, you know, we'll train anything. I, I, I've been getting some yak terriers lately. And if you've never trained one of those, get ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah. I just put two in Oklahoma. Oh, no crap. Yes. Yeah. I heard about those. Are, the, and, are those yeah. naturally like uh, varmint killing dogs? What are they normally? Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. varmint killing little bastards. And if they were Malinois, you couldn't handle them with the drive. The drives <laughs> no, they're, they're <laughs> one of my buddies, George, down in Florida at Mary County Sheriff's Office. Uh, he has one of our, um, he has Brando, but he also has one of those little shitheads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his name yeah. is Kimmer. He's an asshole. (laughs) So yeah, there. That's funny. So I work. There's just so many things we can talk about. Um, real quick, when we're talking about, let's go back to the floppy ear thing, real quick. What have you seen? And and this is a lot of my questions going to be from you. Is is the evolution of of this industry? When you first started getting into the dog stuff, and you were uh, getting so the first few floppy ears. How much did them damn things cost when you first started? Oh. It didn't cost anything because we got yeah. them out of the pounds, out of uh-huh. people's backyards. Remember now, we didn't start buying dogs until 1982. Um, until then, even in the military, we traveled and would put a sign out there, Uncle Sam wants you, and we'd drive on to an a airport or whatever, pre-let um, pre, pre the people know we're coming, and they'd bring their dogs in. And I, you talk about dangerous. We think <laughs> these dogs that are trained in uh, Holland could be, you know, in Europe could be dangerous. Try to drag a 110 pound something out of the back of an old lady's car. Um, and that's uh, how we got them. So we didn't or pay not to, not to mention rolling up on some dude's property out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, you're like, Hey, he's you got, got any he's dogs? He's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's drinking out yeah. of a hubcap. Yeah, he's, well, a, he's a wolf mixture. I get yeah, many of those. Man, I, yeah, he'd be good. He'd be good because he bit four kids. He yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Get him the hell out of here. Because that's the that's the thing with this whole advent of the uh, anti pointy ear thing is the cost of these dogs has just gone through the roof, man. But that's being caused by some of our government agencies. That's being caused. You know, we're supposed to buy American, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the law. Why is the DOD going over to Europe? teams of 15 and 20 buying the dog straight from them why are they doing that ignoring i own a kill over there they ignore me they don't come yeah. to me why do they do that that's what's so, driving the prices up right and yeah and the prices i i have a theory that the airlines are pricing the way they're pricing now to stop to get everybody just to stop i don't yeah. think they want to ship dogs they don't you no, know they don't. They don't. <laughs> no, they don't I, want to. I, no. I think we asked last time you were on that when is when is Von Lick Airlines starting? You know, we looked at oh, something yeah. like that, but we got it's just cost prohibitive. But yeah. why doesn't the government get involved and say, okay, I know that these 10, 20 guys provide most of the bomb dogs in around here in the world, wherever you want to say, why don't they identify us and give us some kind of leeway on Shipping, I, we, you know, they won't take Malinois on United anymore. Won't I heard, yeah. Out. And you have to ship in a 500 crate, but the dog still has to conform and not touch the top. What decent dog's going to be able to do that? 
they're making it almost impossible for us to to help the the, the world and someone yeah. should step in i i have a theory on this and uh, i've never shipped a malinois in united but i've shipped a shitload of german shepherd mixes and yeah. <laughs> you know I, and there's this whole thing about the service dog deal and like whatever else. And the United States is like super weird. And you know this. And like, Eric, you know this. Like, if you go to Europe, like, dogs are like part of the culture over there, right? And they're yes. like integrated, right? So if you go to a restaurant in Italy, like, you could go to a Michelin starred restaurant in Italy and you'll sit down at a thousand dollar dinner and there'll be a German shepherd sitting there next to you and have a muzzle on. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he won't Some bite don't. you. Who well, yeah, but I mean, he'll be sitting there and like, and nobody thinks twice, right? right? But the thing is, like, in the United States, like, we look at dogs, like, they're dirty for some reason, like, yep. we're in Afghanistan or something, like, oh, dogs are dirty, yep. but they live in our fucking house, and yep. like, they eat off the same plates, and like, I see people all the time, like, kissing their dogs in the mouth and stuff, and people are like, ah, oh, they can't come in because of health concerns, and this, and I'm like, man, my dog's cleaner than most toddlers, like, leave me alone. So this whole fake service dog thing too is kind of like in the same vein right like emotional support and then they then then they remove that tag so you can't do that anymore and so it became this big deal and i'm like look just let us pay like you you motherfuckers love to charge me for extra bags extra seats for anything else just let me pay to bring the dog on with me and if he's well behaved leave him alone how many times are we getting asked why we don't like, raise our own dogs? Why do we oh, go to and buy our dogs? That the has reason, been a theme. The reason is what you just said. Yeah. Our society can't handle it. There's a, it's been one, uh, three nights a week and one whole day on the weekend with their dogs. They take their dogs to their families' houses. They take their dogs to restaurants. You don't do that in America, and, and no. we never will. So, no, no. I don't know about Indiana, but Ohio is definitely not a very dog-friendly place. No. Um. So, and, and here's an example I like to use. We're going to go to commercial break real quick after this. I, I flew out to California and worked for four months for Jeff Franklin on the West Coast contract for Cobra. I got there on a Wednesday. We worked, you know, the very next day. I didn't have hardly anything with me. I, I flew out there with two suitcases. Thursday, we go to Walmart. Dogs everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> now, Diego, yeah, reminder <laughs> that Walmart is not a franchise. Walmart is a corporate owned store. When you come here back to Ohio, where I live, mm -hmm. there are big signs. No dogs allowed. They will not allow dogs into the Walmart in Ohio. It's the same company. Mm -hmm. Just so there's definitely different attitudes. They Ohio did just pass, um, I think, last year or two years ago, a uh, a patio law where a restaurant, if they had a patio, could have dogs in it. And people, there's a few people that do it, but not many because they're like, yeah, that's just weird. I never The saw fact that, that you need a never. fucking law for that, just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that government has to be involved in that decision yeah. makes my teeth hurt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a fucking dog. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> so but that's why right. puppy programs in the United States will never work. Because uh, yep. they'll never work because our society is different. And, and how are we going to raise enough dogs? And, and if we do raise a ton of dogs, what do we do with the ones that don't work? It's, yeah. I've seen hundreds of programs come and go, but we, our society's got to change. You know, yeah. and I'm sure you've, you've run into this, but, and, and cause this is a conversation that comes up. I mean, from a theme has been a theme from, I mean, shit from like episode number three, we had Mike Suttle on and it's been a theme the entire time, like why we don't do this. And my answer is always like, it's geographic and it's kind of political and it's kind of like, 
um, it's kind of like social, which is what we're talking about. But on the other thing, like we have people come in and a friend of ours who Eric knows came in, we were in Vegas and he was like, can you drive me to LA? I'm like, no, I can't drive you to LA. It's fucking five hours the wrong way. He was like, well, it's only this far on the map. I'm like, bro, I understand you're from Northern Europe, but it's like driving to fucking Poland from where you're from. It's not like, and I was like, and then I got to come back. And I was like, so the United States is big, right? And on top of that, like those people or the Northern Europeans have like a, you know, hundred year history of raising dogs for this. So like we're behind the curve and we look at them differently. Like we look at dogs differently than they do. And, And we, they look at dogs for their utilitarian work. Right. And they just happen to live at the house. Right. But primarily they're for something. And then, you know, they live at the house and like, whatever, but here, like it is the exact opposite. And, you know, I blame other organizations and some other shit, but you know, and and it's a, it's a trappings of living like in a first world country uh, for the most part, not that Northern Europe is not a first world country because they definitely are, but it's very much a, like a social and geographic thing. And so like when you fly to Europe, when you fly to Northern Europe, right? Like you fly into Amsterdam and you've got fucking 70 kennels in a three hour drive. But here you fly into Orlando and you got to ride to fucking Maryland and then Chicago. And then, I mean, you're driving 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 hours like all across and you're not even getting to the West coast. So, so it's like the geographic portion of it definitely hoses us without a doubt. So, yeah. And the airports, man, you Uh, know, they changed all that stuff. Did, did you ever used to be able to import dogs into Indianapolis uh, airport? No, Indy's never been big enough. It was always Chicago. Always Chicago. Chicago shut down. So yeah, we're having to go as far as Miami to get dogs into South America. Um, It's getting crazy. I have to, I have to drive to Houston from Tulsa, from Tulsa to to fly so eight hours one way to hey, fly dogs you know how in. How far Miami is from Indiana? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I mean, believe it's me, like, like three I days. Yeah, Kenny's like he's like eight hours. Fuck you. That's one day. Kenny's like he's like shit. It's like seventeen hours. I mean, I think going from Tallahassee to fucking Miami is ten. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We come back. I want to, we're going to get into like the, the whole point of the conversation, which will be um, getting out of the service that you're in and getting into a business or some sort of job that's related to uh, working dogs or some sort of civilian world dog thing. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level 
better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find like, magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit stops little issues from becoming big ones so it comes in a spray it comes in an ointment comes in a dressing it's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing you really only have to use it like once a day so there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle since it's temperature stable you don't got to worry about it getting hot getting cold or anything like that so put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet vetcare.us on the internet quick derm by vetcare on the inner on instagram and on facebook and then hit them up with the discount code one zero wdr for 10 percent off your first order so my entire time that i was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement the cars at my department in the departments that i trained all had american aluminum accessory kennels in the cars different cars man dodge chargers all ford models some chevys uh suvs cars everything we loved american aluminum accessories um it's a great product a great company they've been serving uh canine law enforcement community for over 20 years if you check out their uh, website ez that's the letter z ezrideronline.com they got testimonials they got videos on how to they got a list of everything they have uh just today we made a post on the working dog radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the american aluminum kennel in the back of the car Check them out online, guys. Easyrideronline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be and handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FL FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police Canine Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com, and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. 
All right, everybody, we are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting The Bite with our good friend, Kenny Licklider from Von Lick Kennels up there in Denver, Indiana. Um, so those of you, before we, before I ask you a question, I, want, I just want to kind of lay out to guys uh, how long you've been doing it and how influential you have been in the way things have been going in this business. So, uh, and we talked about this a little bit in, in Maryland the one time. I'm, I use the box method for imprinting, same, same as you do. Anybody who is my, I'm 52, anybody who's my age, in the 40s, in their 30s, um, who uses the box method, you were taught by someone who was taught by someone who was taught by someone who worked at Vonlet Kennels. <laughs> If you're wondering where that came from and how you got it, and Kenny, I think you told us you ganked it from the Air Force or, or similar, kind of change it your own way. Yeah. But so there, I, and I'm telling you, like the kid, the kid that works for me, Jordan, you know, I taught him the box method. He, he might, he could go on and he's in his 20s. He could go on and, and, and have his own business. And where'd you learn this? Well, I learned it from Stanbro. Well, where'd he learn it? I don't know. I'm it's like seventh degrees of separation of that Kevin Bacon game. It's, you know, six degrees of separation from Kenny Licklider on whatever it is you're doing. Do you, the other thing that's fascinating with me is how many, and if you, I don't know, you probably lost count. How many businesses have spawned? I think we asked you this before and you just laughed because you go, there's one right there. Some people, <laughs> how many people that have been in contact with you, work for you, whatever, have spawned off and grown up and done their own, you know, their own businesses? Uh, it's like you're a farm system for other places. I can't give you exact numbers, I, but yes, that's that's happened, and it's something to be proud of. But at the same time, it's I lose business every day to my own people which yeah. is okay. I mean, we all got to do that. Um, but you know, back in the, back in the early years, I was the one that said passive response is the only way. And I was called an idiot. I was called you're, you're, you're full of shit. It'll never happen. And look what happened. Um, a lot of the things that I've done, the, the popper boxes, they were invented in about a hundred yards from this, where I'm sitting and uh, Ray Allen and I were going to go in together and do it. And then all of a sudden they were there with other people doing it. So, I guess, yeah, it, it, plagiarism, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. We were always so busy that we never, we never even thought about it. I, I didn't really care now that I'm fucking old, <laughs> you know, and, and I've got to keep up with things again. You know, I, I look around, we go to seminars and all these people are using our techniques. I get online and there's a dog staring at a box. I invented that hunting quail in Oklahoma. That's right. Okay? <laughs> That's where, that's where I came we up shoot with shit that. Here. <laughs> and well, I lost our best quail dog. I couldn't find him. An hour later, I found him. Yeah. You know, you know what he was Looking doing. Quail. He was sitting, he was pointing, <laughs> and, 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 and he'd been pointing for an hour with us driving over the top of him, screaming and yelling. And I went back to the, my hotel room, and I'm sitting on the shitter where I do my best thinking. And I said, "Wait a minute, what's the difference between that quail and cocaine?" What's the difference between it? So I come up with stuff because we do it every day and we let the dogs teach us. Uh, tra training with multiple odors. In magazines, I'm called a bad guy. I'm called a guy I don't know what he's doing. I'm called all these names by my competitors. 
but I've been doing it for 30 years and we put out a pretty decent product. And, and everyone will talk about the stew, the stew method. They'll talk about how when a dog walks into grandma's kitchen, that dog smells each piece of that stew, but yet they'll only train one odor at a time. To me, that tells me you, yep. ain't, you don't believe in it. Right. Yep. You know, <laughs> you know, and I, you know what? I want them to do it. I want them to keep doing one at a time because I'm finishing dogs in one fourth to one twelfth of the time they are. And if they don't want, if you don't, steal from other people in this in this business that we're in this great business that we're in you're left behind if you're not a mm. thief you're left behind now we got some, my we, fucking rolodex man just that's <laughs> yeah. that's it man you now we have some super we have some super good trainers in this industry and yes, we and, do. and and you know what i tell this to the to the europeans a lot and or to people that are not in the united states and I'm like, we have some, we police very differently in the United States. We use dogs very differently here yes. because people are like, oh, you people are violent. I'm like, fuck yeah, we are <laughs> like, like yeah. guns are woven into the DNA of this country. Like yeah. I was like, yeah, we're violent. We stole it from the British. Yes, we are. Yeah. That's why we don't <laughs> have British accents because of guns. Exactly. And that's why we have great teeth. So we and have this. Smart whole... enough not to walk right at you with a red coat on. Okay. Well, right. and so I, I tell people all the time, like we police very differently here, you know? And so because of that, because of our case law, because of how our federal judicial system is set up, because of how our state judicial system is set up, because of federalism, because we have a weak form of central government, we police very differently. And because of that, we train police dogs very differently. And because of that, we have some of the best law enforcement canine trainers in the world yeah. in the United States. Yeah, we do. Better than anywhere else. And the We're Europeans not... know that. They know it. They won't admit well, yeah. it. They know it. So they have really good dogs and we have really, really, good really, trainers. really good trainers. Yeah. And we have a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, like there are people like that's the thing. When we started this podcast, like, I don't know, a long time, like a while ago, the the short list was like a mile long. We're still not even through the short list. So uh, because we have a mile long of trainers that are extremely gifted, extremely talented and extremely vetted in in working and you know and, and it's because of how we police in this country and that's something that i think is missed by a lot of people um that listen to this either from australia or from because we have a lot of people listen from australia a lot of people listen just from northern europe that speak english i have a lot of people listen to this from india um so you know we do things differently in the united states and it's how we do it and if you don't like it like i don't you know we it, it's it's how we do it, and it has a lot to do with like how our government is and how our our legal system is. But the byproduct of that is canine trainers that are really, really, really good at what they do. Whether they work for Von Lick or whether it's me or Eric, whoever else, there is some like every state. Like I can pick one trainer in every state that's awesome. There's there are, so many great trainers, and I tell everybody, yes. the guy that tells you there's only one way to do this is the idiot yeah. you walk away from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah so the thing about it is too is there are a ton tons of very good local trainers that train their guys and maybe a few other whatever that no one will ever hear of yep right. and when they get out of law enforcement they do a really there. good job they do yeah. a really good job yeah. and uh like we met a young kid down in louisiana that's the trainer for his little department that kid yep. is like 25 he looked maybe he was older than maybe he's 28 or 29 and i'm i just talked to the guy uh, we're doing an HRD seminar there and I'm, I'm talking to him in between things. I'm like, 
all right, kid, you you got some, you kind of know what you're talking about a little bit. Yeah. He was pretty good. He's the guy, this is real funny, Kenny, we'll move on. He, his out command was his last name. Oh, God. And I was like, I was no. like, why, why is your out command your last name? He goes, because if, <laughs> if these bastards take my dog and give it to somebody, they got to say my name every single training day. <laughs> Every training day. I'm like, brilliant. I like you. Fucking gangster. Yeah. That's I, told that, I told that story in San Francisco last month when I was there for HRD, and they were like, that is awesome. And I'm not yeah. going to name the department that was there, yeah. but uh, they were like, that is, I loved it. That is I magnificent. Yeah, that the, kid, he would say his name. was like, what? and Eric was like, what are you saying? He's like, it's my last name. Yeah, I'm Rodriguez like, or whatever it was. Yeah. He was saying. <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. brilliant. So fucking fantastic. So one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why people won't hear from these guys or they're getting out of it is cops are really, and this is such a mistake, man. They're really bad at networking. Like they'll just, I'm tired. I work nights. I don't want to talk to anybody. Meanwhile, you're a cop. And if you're a canine cop, people want to know you and they want yeah. to maybe have you involved with some things they got going on. Talk if you can, Kenny, a little bit about, so you talked about, Hey, I'm getting, getting to the end of my military career, but I knew all these guys in Ohio and Indiana and all these other places. And you jump start right away with maybe a little base, but these guys are trying to get out at starting at zero gravity, like nothing, right. nothing there. Can you talk about networking and what it's done to the extent, even where you've had to go with Europe and Turkey and everything? Right. Else? Well, networking, when I got out in the nineties, it didn't exist. And, and we didn't communicate like uh, North did it the way the North did it, South did it the way South did it. And we weren't intermingling and sharing. That started changing, which is great. And there were no jobs in the nineties, no canine jobs. Now, if you're a dog handler and you have your shit together, there are a lot of jobs out there from the, the luggage, you know, the, the searching of the, of the aircraft luggage to, to TSA, to um, different canine facilities. There's a lot more out there now. And if you just, as you're getting close to the end of your term, if you're military, you, you, you've got to network. You've got to get to know people, get on, get on that damn Facebook, which I'm terrible at. But, you know, start talking to as many people as you can. Go to the seminars. There were no seminars when I got out in the 90s. They just didn't exist. And now I think the seminar is one of the big things that helps get us together and helps people know and, and greet and, and, and get to know who's out there and who can help them. But new dog people, um, the, the police departments, you know, they, it's been a little tough during the COVID, but the police departments, you know, they, they began hiring and getting more and more. Um, but all these private entities, FedEx, all these things, they're all using dogs. They all need people and uh, they're looking for you. So like you said, Get out there, let them know that you're out there, get a good resume together, go to seminars, talk to people at these. I'm getting ready to go to uh, Las Vegas to the big one out there. You know, talk to people. We all like to talk, you know, we're dog people. Um, and the good ones will steer you the right way. I, I picked up a Marine doing it that way. He, he comes straight to me. But you've got to sell yourself, but it's out there, not like it was in the 90s. How do you... Um... How do these guys start? So we get a lot of guys that'll ask us that are that are good trainers, man. They just don't know anybody in Europe to get dogs from. So they call a guy like me. Hey, do you got anything? I'm like, yeah, but dude, you're gonna pay too much. You're gonna pay because I paid a lot. You're gonna pay. You know, you're the only money you're gonna make at all is is the handler school basically. So 
you don't you you don't know anybody to get to get a dog from or or how to do it how would you suggest somebody that's oh, maybe they have six eight kennels four or five whatever and how do they find the guy and someone they can trust overseas because you know that's hard the last thing you said is the tough part because these people over there have been selling dogs and raising them for many many years they can in the first 10 minutes of the conversation know and put you at a level you're this guy that knows this much or you're this guy or you're this guy and wherever you land that's all the dogs you'll see one of our biggest problems for the united states is guys will go over there don't have much you know, they don't have any background in it, but you got to start somewhere. They'll pay too much. And once they pay this amount of money for a normal dual purpose drug dog, now they want everybody to pay that much. I wish we could get together. I know it's not good and I know it's not possible, but I wish we could get together and form something, whatever that thing is called. I'm not sure yet, but get, get it together to where we're the ones that drive the market right now. You go over to Europe, you are subject to what they have. And like you said, who do you go to? I know the guys, I was the first, I got to go to the very first bike trips. I know all the guys. And some are great, some are not so great. And now we've brought in the Eastern, you know, um, Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland, and there's new guys there. And you gotta know what you're doing first and they'll spot you if you don't. Talk to other people that go over there because the guys like me will talk to you. We'll give you the phone numbers. Um, and don't go over there braggadocious and acting all crazy, but talk to them straight up. And 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 we'll tell you, most of you, I know what we'll, we'll tell them what the going rate for a dog is. Don't overpay because that just drives it up for everybody. And respect them. I've had to bring one or two of my trainers back from Europe because they called me up and said, get this guy out of here. One of my own guys went over there and showed his ass, acted all, you know, these guys, those are their dogs. They don't, they don't want you to act like this. So go over there and act right. Tell them what you want. Be respectful. Don't overpay. Finding who sells good dogs is not hard to do. Just talk to the people. No one trusts us. I've had guys, oh, I can't talk to him. He, he's a big dog seller. He won't tell me the truth. Yes, I will. <laughs> you know yes i will and you know what i wish we could do i wish we could all band together and form something i don't know what this is called yet but form something where we a conglomerate buys the dogs at a certain price and brings them back here lets them get used to the flight lets them get used to the you know get the, to the air you know, get acclimated environmentally and socially and then the smaller guys can come to us we don't charge them any more than what we paid over there. I don't know how we're going to do this, but it's, it's <laughs> in my head, I think we need to. We need to quit letting them set the stage. We're the users. We should be setting the stage. But I think guys can find good dogs, and the, the Europeans will sell to them. Just be smart. Yeah. Economies of scale. That's the – that's that's the – that's the – Yeah. So we're a large user and I, and I remind departments too, all the time. I was like, you know, a lot of the, so for example, my home department, um, and, and I, my home department is not like unique in, in this, but they require the dog to be imported. They require it to be male. They require it to be a certain size and weight required to pass health checks, required to pass all the testing and everything else. But I'm like, you know, 
the requiring it to come from a certain place in the in the world is like you're i mean come on meow and, I, and they're like well it's not that big of a deal it's like you gotta understand though i'm like you're competing against the australians the south africans the south chinese. koreans the russians the chinese everybody i was like people that have way more money than yeah. you guys do you guys haven't increased your fucking price since clinton was in office yeah. so i'm like there's shit that's happened since then and i was like you know and it's the same pool like everybody's fishing out of the same pond and you like you put like they can tell right so and, and it's that like keeps well, us from that, and, and we're not fishing out of the same pond because they can tell if well, you're a newbie or if you yeah. got your shit together yeah so it's uh it's an interesting um it's an interesting dynamic because a lot of those times too um like i've seen departments and if you're listening to this i'm not knocking it but dudes from individual departments from a department with six dogs will make an individual trip to europe by themselves it kills us i right and they're going over and selecting dogs and i'm like i paying eight thousand us for the dog right yes because yes. that's their budget like that's their budget right so yeah. and then we have the whole conversation about the admin versus them and like the admins think it's their money and then the handlers and like training sergeants training lieutenants are like oh no we have this is our budget so this is what our budget is the first thing you tell them is like this is how much we're willing to spend and they're like oh your shit's over there <laughs> like let's go over here let me show you these dogs and they're like no but yeah. they're like no, yeah. no no that those aren't for you you, yeah. you go over here and all of a sudden it's like oh these are the dogs you have to pick from and they're like oh it's great and then they come back with one dog and i'm like man i asked i asked somebody this in a, in a southern state they went over and did this and they came back with one dog i was like you flew to where and bought what and they told me and i was like you flew all the way fucking over there and brought back one goddamn dog they said, they was like, why don't I bring back like four? You took two guys. You can fly two back at a time. So you can fly yes. like four. He's like, what do I do with the other three? I'm like, you're sell a sheriff's, them. you're a fucking sheriff's office. Like sell them to somebody else in the county. And they'll tell you like, they did it to save money. Like, yeah. it, I was like, to to, I was like, go to your fucking sheriff and be like, dude, yeah. Yeah. let us sell these dogs so we can cover the plane. For, we can get our dog for free. Right. And he's like, oh, I didn't think of that. I'm like, well, yeah, you're not a fucking, you're, you're not a you're not a profit generating venture i get that but i mean think about it like that yeah. and so they went back and did that they brought by like six dogs and yeah. they sold which you're right it kills us but i was like all right it's great like good you picked six good ones and yeah. they did they picked six good ones and i'm like great so now they got six good ones and like one stayed at the department and the other five went to cities and within that county i'm like yeah perfect it's how you do it yeah, and sure. yeah i remember you know i if you go over there, like you're talking about, you go over there and show your ass or whatever. <clears throat> you remember Steve Martin and the jerk when he's working the carnival, he's doing the weight guessing. He goes, you can pick from here to here, here, here. And then the space of prizes you can pick is this big. Yeah. And then he goes, step on up and win some crap. <laughs> that would be if you didn't know anybody, Fuck. if you went over there with the wrong intentions. Yeah. But the funny thing is to talk about the difference between the culture over there and here can you imagine kenny if you went out to a psa club or or some of these clubs here in the us and you stand in there and you're like how much for your dog i'll buy him right now put him in the truck. <laughs> right off the field put him in the Who's, truck what? and you know and they're like what are you talking about yeah dude you you have a nice dog don't think you're gonna podium here here's some cash put him in the car 
because a lot of folks don't know that that was it for a long time, right? You'd go to a, you'd go to a, like a KMPV club and look across the way and there's a couple of Americans, you know, with kennels and stuff. And uh-huh. that's how you bought a lot of this shit. I think people here would shit if you did that. I, so, bought, I bought three of the Dutch national champions right off the podium. And they came <laughs> here to Ron Lake Hills. Bought them. The guy handed me the leash and never looked at the dog again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. Cause so, we've had a few PSA people on, and I said, is, is that ever going to be a thing? And they're like, nope. 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 Maybe so, they'll breed. Yeah, no, it. yeah, not in PSA. I mean, those dogs are like nine when they get their PSA three. Right. And they're like, oh, he's going to retire. It means he doesn't out anymore. So like a long time ago when I was in Europe, uh, I, I was there and like I was there, you know, racing my bike and doing, you know, stupid teenage shit. And we had dudes, Americans come over, um, guys that are uh, a couple of them are still in the industry. <laughs> I've talked to them, but they showed up at this club one night when I was there and I didn't know who they were. And they're like, whose dog is everyone hate? And everyone points at, th- they're like, this guy right here, this dog's a fucking dickhead. He is nobody, nobody likes this dog. He doesn't out. He's this, he's that. He's like, whatever else. So they like watch him work and they're like, Hey, we'll buy him right now. And there, and I, at the time I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. And the owners were so happy to get rid of those dogs. They're like, he's not going to podium. He's going to be terrible in points. And, and then, you know, 15 years later, I'm like, but he went back to the United States and he ruined a lot of people's days. So uh, it wasn't a bad tactic. They go over and you're like, whose dog sucks? Like, why do you hate him? And they're like, oh, he doesn't out. He's a dickhead. He tries to bite the judge. And you're like, yeah, we'll take him. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, and they'll they give him to you cheap. They're like, yeah. Like, and this is even before the euro, they're like, Yeah, you know, and so they're like, Oh, yeah, 2000 euro or whatever. And what? you're like, oh, that seems super cheap. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you spend more in that in stitches, but um, yeah, before we take our second break, I want one more. I got one more question for you. It's kind of, um, I don't know, with certain kennels, it's kind of a, a hot button topic. Where do you land on selling green dogs? Oh boy, that's a. Ooh. If if hmm. I could not do it, I wouldn't. But there's so many people out there selling green dogs, and the size of my kennel and the the number of dogs that I am available to keep here. It's part of what we do, but we try. I would rather not, but I think it's part of the part of our profession now people want to they have their own trainers they have their own people they have their own classes they like the dogs that we import they know we know what a good dog is so they come here to buy them and if i if i had my druthers i wouldn't want to do it because there's a we're a business and there's no money in it and b everybody wants a year guarantee so they wait till 11 months and 29 days and then yep. they, I got to give you this dog back. Well, what did you do for the for the eleven months that you had this animal? Three hundred sixty-three on day three hundred sixty-three. Yes, yes. <laughs> they were like, we want to return yes. the dog, and I'm like, and, and then I, I caught him. I caught one group hurt one of my dogs, and then blamed it on um, a genetic thing, and I, I found it in his paperwork that they did it. So you know, I'm, most people are honest. Most people we deal with are wonderful. But it would be so much easier for me if we just trained it and we took responsibility for it. When we got to sell it green and we don't know what this guy does with them, it makes it harder on us. Man, 
Yeah, I said something uh, on a podcast yeah. once here, and I and I've talked about it part of this a couple of times. I said, those of you who are in the in the military right now, dog handlers in the military, and you're a um, or you're a cop and you're a dog guy, if you think you're going to get out and start a business right away, start selling dogs to police departments and military, most of them won't succeed. And the reason being is they're a small kennel, right? They only got a few kennels because I had to deal with this. Um, and they sell one, they sell a green dog and they only make profit, maybe 2,500 bucks as, as a round number. Cause they the drop dog, it on purpose to get the, to get the job. Yeah. yeah. And yep. the dog gets returned to them Yeah, and they have to, and, and it was returned to them for maybe like a hip issue, like something that they can't recycle or fix. <clears throat> they got to shell out then money to get another dog. And most small guys, as they're starting out, if that happens to you at all, you're out of business. You're you you retired on a cop salary or a military salary. Right. You get one one return in your first like year of business, it could put a lot of those guys out of business. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's really tough. The profit margins are not what people think. No. And and for you, listen, I have one, I have 16 or 17 employees on the um on the pet side. I have me and one other guy on the police side and I'm a knuckle dragon turd. You know, I payroll freaks me the fuck out you know? <laughs> every two weeks. I'm paying X amount of money, but then you start calculating. Okay. So I'm paying my trainer X amount of money. Uh, my cost here. I'm my like, fuck. I, didn't, I ain't making shit. Nope. And, and I got one guy. I don't have what you got. Yeah. You, we were housing you know? 500 dogs at one time. And we oh. had 20 something trainers and God bless. It, it was a good time, but now that's gone. And, you know, I'm come from the military. I had no formal training in how to run a business. I, I, I did this off a shoestring, but yeah, you really got to understand how much it costs to run a place. And I've had to start downsizing a little bit because it's just not with the war is over. There's just, there's just not that much, but yeah, most people don't get that. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, in your size, you bought half of Denver, Indiana at one point. People <laughs> don't understand that that's hard to go backwards. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's definitely a business decision, but it's hard to go backwards. Yeah. Stay like like Ted's just increasing where he's at and but he's not going insane. He's not putting in 50 kennels. Nope. You know, I hope to have 50 dollars. I don't want fucking full kennels. No. I, I, I'm small. I only have 8 kennels. I don't want eight dogs in there though. I, um, because it's just me. It's right. just me. I don't, I don't have all that. And so the, the profit margins are tough. It's not zero. I mean, you can, you're better off. I think when you come out, go to work for somebody for a little while, get the acumen, talk to them about the business side of it. Cause again, that's the problem is the business side of it. I have a manager who, who ran a lot of other things and she, she helps with a lot of that stuff. I have good mentors. And I was a networking mofo buddy when I was in the police department. We talked about and, that in the last interview we just did, the one before this one, about the Kevin Costner syndrome. If you build it, they will come. And that's not how this works. No. Like, this no. is not, this industry is not like the Kevin, it's not the field of dreams. <laughs> like, you can be the best fucking trainer in the world, but if you don't have a business acumen, you're going to suffer. And you can have, be a fantastic business person, 
but you can only fake it for so long. So you <laughs> you gotta you gotta have both. And yeah, she'll come to roost. Yeah, like you can only for like sure. sometimes at sometimes. And I suspect you and like, I are very similar. We married up. <laughs> <laughs> you married up. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So my yeah, my wife works for me now, and she keeps an eye on a lot more stuff than I do because I'm still holding leashes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and right before we go to before we go to commercial break, I do like to ask guys this: Do you ever get to just go out and grab a dog? Is it, or is that long lost? Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, when we started downsizing, uh, me and Danny, who's my uh, number one guy, we were training all the dogs while the younger guys were running the classes. And right now I, I have to get my knee replaced. So it's a little tougher. Um, but no, we're out there every day. If we're not actually handling the dog, we're moving the boxes. We're uh, posting the dogs. No, we're out there every day, every day. Yeah, for me, you know, I don't live where the kennel is and, and Ted doesn't either. We live pretty close, but I always envision that every once in a while it'd be nice, man, at night just to go out and grab a dog, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not talk. Just go do the thing. I know Ted likes to put on. He puts on headphones, plays music, works dogs. It's it's that part can be good. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I just wanted someone else to clean the the crap. That's all. <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got a nice lake out here and I like to go out there. I had a giant schnauzer recently that loved to swim and uh, just walking around that lake, seeing the fish, seeing the dogs that join it. I, I get you. Yeah, it's it's real nice. We're going to go ahead and take our, our second break. We come back. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about with Von Lick. And I also want to talk about some, like we were talking earlier about you have to evolve. Uh, you can't just be stuck in anything and see kind of anything new that Kenny's been involved in lately. So uh, we'll be right back. All right, we love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower, so they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website tactical police canine training.com you get on there under training the online course but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor canine supervisor course which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training they don't know as much as they should right here online uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers proper deployment effective allocation and utilization as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go Get on tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. 
They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR10, they'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900S or that Ball Popper Pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR10. So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen Manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him, give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of 
get a kind of generic large size maybe for everybody. The colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check him out, almk9equipment.com, and use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's and it seems like it's an ever-changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around and everything else. So the guys at Horizon Structure make this as easy as possible. Literally, the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups, and they deliver it, and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. These things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, everybody. We are back. Eric and Ted from Working Dog Radio with our our good friend, uh, Kenny Licklider from Von Lick Kennels up there in Indiana. I hope you guys uh, didn't skip the commercials, but if you did, all the, because I know you did, um, all of the uh, discount codes are in the show notes. I had somebody reach out to me today, Ted, and, hey, what's the discount code for uh, Quick Derm? I'm like, I don't know it. I got so much shit going on, man. I, I have brain injuries. I can't remember shit, dude. My <laughs> passwords are written in my arm and shit, in my tattoos. Like, so <laughs> don't ask me. Get on the get on the show and look. Um, password new tattoos. Yes. For, former uh, uh, TV sensation for a little while there, Kenny Licklider. Oh yeah, that was a that. yeah. That was a groundbreaking show. That was back in the day. Yeah, man. People in Netflix. I'll tell you this, man. I still use a joke that uh, when I used to do demos, I use a joke that you used on, I think it was Letterman, maybe, was the scientific reason why you use tennis balls. Yeah. And it's because we get them for free. Because they're cheap. And every time I say that, people laugh and I go, Kenny, shout out. (laughs) Did Did you see the Letterman show? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was trying to to step me up to, to, to get me to make a mistake. And I was so nervous because I couldn't see what he was doing behind me. If you watch that, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And I figured he was gonna. And I'm going, I can't, I can't screw this up on national <laughs> TV. But at the last second, there was a an actual little uh, like like this computer. I could see what he was doing. Now, this dog was amazing, but you know how you are in a demo. Yeah. You don't want to fuck that uh, up in front of fucking, everybody. And dogs, and dogs are dogs. So. Do you, you, remember, <laughs> you, remember, you remember when he said, um, and what do you want me to do now? And I, without hesitation, I went, 
I don't care what you do, Dave. And I wasn't trying to be a smart ass, <laughs> but he used that for a long time. Um, and he even had t-shirts made. I don't care what you do, Dave, with Monolith Kennels on. So that was that's kind of- hilarious. <laughs> that's great. Yes. That's great. And that's wild for Joe Schmo, former military guy, training dogs, be on the fucking David Letterman show. <laughs> you know? And, yes. and so so going back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, uh, if you're the guy that says there's only one way to skin a cat, mm. it, it's it's hard when you're doing good, when things are going along and you're producing good stuff and, you know, and, and your training methods are working. It's, it can be hard when someone might show you something different or a different way to do things or maybe something new. And then you you might yeah, fuck, uh, whatever, whatever. Nah, let me try this. I got a few minutes. I got a little bit of downtime. Let me try this. Has there any, been anything in like maybe even the last three, four years even that you've been like, okay, I see what you're saying. That that. Let me try that. It might be a little bit better way from what you've been doing for 29 years up to that point. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a firm believer in stealing from anyone and everyone. I call it stealing, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you say something smart on this podca- podcast, I will start it in my classes tomorrow and say <laughs> I invented it the next day. Right. We, we, have to be, we, we have to be like that. And, and through my career, there's been a ton of stuff. I mean, I don't track the way I was taught in the military in the 70s. I don't, I don't do outing and bite work. Um, we're always changing. I'll, I'll try to think of something recent, but um, I'm always looking. I'm always watching. And uh, I think if you're not doing that, you're being left behind. You're one of those guys that says uh, Malinois won't track. You know, I get calls all the time. I need a tracking dog, but, you know, I don't want one of them Malinases because I want a tracking dog. (laughs) Well, the number one tracking dog in the war was a Malinase. Okay. (laughs) And, And so I try to keep an open mind. I try to watch what other people are doing. And I'll think of something here in a second. But there's a lot of great trainers, like you said, and, I train a certain way, but I tell them right up front, there's a lot of other ways. I do it because it works for us. And you have to use what works for you, you know, because you can't completely change every time you see a new guy. Some of my military guys, they go to so many different trainers uh, because they got all the money in the world. You know, the, mm-hmm. my SF guys are past tense, but uh, they, they, they go all over the world and, and that's good because they deserve it. And then they're, and they're, they're putting their lives on the line but they're hearing different things from everywhere. And instead of thinking about it and impl- implementing it into their program, they're just grabbing things and, and doing it. I believe in change. I believe in new stuff, but make sure it works in your program. Because if you don't know how to train it, I don't care how good it is and it's not going to work. Yeah. We've talked on here. Ted, I've learned stuff from Ted Tensler, learned some stuff from me. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned, I've learned things from, dogs yes yeah you know what i mean (laughs) yes let the dogs teach you yes i made a post uh, i had a dog that i was um he's a shepherd one of the driviest ones i've ever had almost i don't say too much but at that top level man was it was it could be a little bit unmanageable just a lot right yeah which is a (laughs) lot and i could not get this dog weird work and i tracking I consider myself to be a really good tracking trainer. I, I, I produce some amazing tracking dogs 
and I, I could not, everything was a sled ride with this dog. All that, no matter what you did, all the things I tried would not work for food under any circumstances. I don't care what you were doing. It was not working for food whatsoever. And one day we're at the kennel and I walk, I, uh, had walked another dog out to this one break area break. I go get this dog's name is Ronnie. I walk him out. I don't say nothing. I just hook him on his leash. We walk out and he tracked me and that dog all the way out and all the way back. And I'm like, huh? Well, <laughs> fuck. Let's see what happens later today. And we did the same thing. And he tracked all the way out and all the way back. So I just started doing tracking with him. Just get him out of the van and just walk over and boop, off we would go. We get to the end. He'd get a toy and he was as shocked as anybody when he found the toy. And then he turned out to be an ungodly, amazing tracker. He just had to show me how to do it. Right. You know, I didn't have to lead him over and tell him to track or anything like that. You just had to get him close and he would just do it himself. And I, I think they're, they're having a lot of success with them. I think they're still doing the same thing. Hook him up, get him out of the car, and let him tell you where the start is, and off you go. You know, the Canadians taught me something. They they came here and were buying dogs, and they told me get ten of your ten of your dogs. We don't want to touch them. Put them in a in a car and let's go out to a field. Okay. They said, "All right, we're gonna lay a little track right here. Your dogs are still put up. Get them out. Walk up and cross." This little track with turns in it. These, I said, these dogs have never had any formal tracking training. They said, that's okay. I said, what do you expect is going to happen? He said, the good ones, the good ones, watch. And I'll be damned. And I learned this was 20 years ago, but the good ones would hit that track and without being told anything, follow that thing all the way to the end. And I about died. I said, okay. And what that told me is, like you said, they have it in them. And when you try to force it a certain way or do it a certain way, uh, that might not be the way they want to do it. So we're, we've got a pretty good tracking. I love tracking, by the way. We've got a pretty good one here, too. But let the dogs teach it. Yeah, I had a – and there's a phrase that goes around a ton, right? So um, a long time ago, somebody early on in my career told me, they're like, you know, there's not a blueprint. You, you have to do what's in front of you, like train the dog in front of you. Like I can teach you how to do this, but you still have got to become, you know, good at like identifying some of these behaviors and some of the, identifying some of the motivations and all this other stuff. And it's one of those deals that I think gets tossed around a lot. Like I say one liners all the time, like we made a bunch of them in t-shirts, but one that continually pops up that's not mine um, is train the dog in front of you. And so I have kind of defaulted a lot recent, not recently, but to what you're talking about, like, you know, and you mentioned earlier, like pointers point. And I remember going to a training um, with a fairly large agency. Uh, some of my handlers were at and like this was a dog that we trained. He was a pointer and he's fucking pointing on odor. And they're like, Oh, but he needs to sit. I'm like, why? Why? Like it's, I mean, like uh, it, they're like, but he needs to sit because it, you know, it, we want him to sit. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I get you want him to sit, but like, what? Why does he need to? And I yelled at my handler because, and he didn't know I was there. I walked up, and these other trainers who were part of the state agency uh, certifying body and part of a national certifying body, and I yelled at my handler, and I kind of put cut my hands like this, and I was like, how much more fucking obvious do you need that to be before you pay that dog? 
Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like, I didn't know you were there. I'm like, pay him. He's like, well, they, I was like, I don't give a fuck what they told you. I was yeah. like, pay that motherfucker and go on. And I looked at these other guys who I know I was like, don't fuck with them. Like, leave them alone. Like the, I was like, it, it's not like, and so when they kind of naturally do it, I'm like, okay, like, this is what you want to do. I'm like, all right, cool. I can work with that. I was like, let's figure this out, homie. So how are we going to do this? And that's, that's how we do a lot of things. I had a conversation today with two of my interns and one of my greeny, greeny, green canine handlers. He's had a, he's got a single purpose dog, he's a super nice dog. And he's just kind of like, I was like, you see what he's doing? He's not doing what the other ones had. And he's had, I was like, it's fine. This is your dog. So just pay attention to what he's doing. Don't worry about this one. And we're going to work with this. Like, and I, we just kind of like work around like what they already do. So kind of in that same vein, um, I don't have a ton of experience with bloodhounds uh, <laughs> for various reasons, uh, even though I'm in the South, which they're super popular down here. Um, but what is the prevailing, like, what experience have you had with bloodhounds other than them being assholes? And if you go back and watch his TV show, you'll understand why. Yeah, is this them. a setup? Is this no, a setup? We, no, we no, just want to know if anything no, changed I, from I back just, in the I just, day. I just, I just want to know. I sell, <laughs> I sell dogs for a living, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And ask me how many bloodhounds I've got in my kill. Three. Zero. If a bloodhound is what you're used to and what you like, go ahead. But I'll take my Malawas and my Shepherds and smoke you. Um, and smoke you for the right reasons. What are you going to do at the end of the fucking track with that bloodhound? What are you going to do? Uh, I, I just, you saw the show. Oh, yeah. That was real. And that yeah. shepherd smoked that bloodhound. He did. Uh, in, in the war, all of the special forces used Malamos, and we tracked the living fuck out of those, you know, those guys over there. Um, I, I don't, I, I personally don't, don't like them. Okay, I, I'll stick with the Malawas, and the Malawas will track you to the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I don't like them. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, I actually referenced that TV show, that episode, quite a bit with it. Um, plus, some fuckers bite. They're jerks. Yeah, you got that canine rage syndrome thing going on. They'll bite you <laughs> right in the hip. Yeah, oh, some, some of the bloodhounds will bite yeah. yeah, they're for the wrong reason. So, and that's the thing, like, and, and like you said, when you get to the track, um, and without like, kind of like pointing fingers at people and whatever else, I, I'm a very big, I'm a firm believer in that. I don't like teaching single dogs that don't bite the track. Um, unless they're in a, unless they're in, rescue type situation. In, exactly. They're not yes. in the law enforcement. They can still be in a first responder thing, but unless they're search and rescue or whatever else. And to me, it, it's and Eric's the same thing. Even though I have admins promise me up and down, we will not use them to do this. We will not use them to do that. I'm like, bro, you spent a shit ton of money on this dog, and that you you're gonna fuck. I mean, that's like saying we're not gonna use this car to chase. We're not. We're gonna wait until the troopers show up. And we're gonna let them do it. Like, no, you're. That's not how this is gonna work. And I promise you. And it becomes like this, you know, and, and it goes like circling back to the beginning of this episode where we talk about liability as a myth. And it kind of, kind of, I, I ask, I'm like, what's the, like, you know, what's the deal? Why, why aren't you wanting to invite people? And like, I'm worried about liability. I'm like, you're tracking somebody that on gram, like when we look at the gram factors, like on that third prong, like they're, they're, you know, I mean, they, they've, they've shown that they're willing to evade. They're felons. 
well, they're willing to evade. Yeah. You know, they're dangerous. They're all these things. And I'm like, eh, you know, and they're like, well, it looks bad. I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I really, really, really try to, and if you're an admin and you're listening to this, or if you're in a position of decision-making and you're listening to this, and this is probably not the first time I, Eric, have said this, if they track and you carry a gun, they should bite. And you know what they don't understand? That's just me. May I jump in? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What they don't understand is a good po police dog, when he comes on scene, he knows, well, as you're approaching the scene, he knows, is he going up there after a felon? Or is he going up there after a child that is lost? Or is he going up there after an uh, Alzheimer's patient that walked away? By the way we act, by the way that the sounds and the intensity, these dogs know what they're looking for. And if it's a certain intensity, they know they're going to get to eat, bite that guy at the end of the track. If it's a morose, everybody's sad, they, it may be a walkaway or it may be a child. And a, a, a badass dog that is trained properly can do both. They can track a, a kid and not bite him. But if you're biting everybody, if, you're, if, you're, if your system is to have a bite at the end of every track, then that doesn't work. But well, if, you do, if you do it properly, where we, we track for toys. And we, yep. every now and then we throw a bite in there. Every now go. and then. Yeah. And, and Eric Same and I are exact firm, philosophy. Eric, yes. firm believers in this. And yes. like the dogs I have right now, I've got three dual purpose, or yeah, three dual purpose dogs that we're tracking. They will not get a bite on a track until handler school. And I, I can guarantee fucking to you that the second that each one of these dogs figure out that this is a prey exercise, <laughs> that all of a sudden it's like game on. Like they will not, yeah. it, it all of a sudden they yeah. go from zero to hero. Yeah. And uh, it, it's one of those things. And then the other thing I yell at my fucking handlers all the time. I'm like, if you bite somebody in a track, it better not be a surprise. And if it is, I will punch you in the face. And you better I, know I, you're going to do it well, before it happens. Yeah. And from a and from a liability perspective and from a case law perspective, yeah. obviously from Kerr, we want to bite the right people. Yeah. So if we bite the wrong people, it, even if we bite the right people, it had better be, it had better not be a surprise. Right. And and I tell my handlers, I was like, the most dangerous thing you guys do next to vehicle stops and dealing with domestics is tracking. Tracking. And if you get close enough that that dog can bite them or that they can reach out and touch you, we fuck that up somewhere and i never want that to happen so they, they should teach be able to that tell they're getting close they yep. should be able uh, to tell by the way the dog's acting they should absolutely. know absolutely yeah and we teach that and eric teaches it i mean you know and i think that's kind of like a modern like thing now is we teach that proximity alert or whatever you right. want to call it and we teach it in phases like and so i teach tracking and proximity alerts and area search and all that stuff completely separately and so that when they do, like my hand was like, oh, we had a track. And I'm like, tell me you didn't bite somebody. They're like, no, they gave up. I'm like, that still counts. Still counts. <laughs> that's, still counts. that's still counts. That's still a teardrop. That. <laughs> that's still a teardrop. That counts. And I was like, don't let anybody tell you differently. Because if you just accidentally roll up and fucking smoke somebody, even if it's the right one. And I say this at HRDs and I never, if any of my handlers ever say this to me, I freak out. I'm like, oh, we got lucky. I'm like, no, you did not get lucky. You motherfucker. You did not get lucky. That denies your work and your skill. Yeah. And you're just throwing like chance to the wind. You didn't get fucking lucky shithead. <laughs> you were trained well and your yes. dog was trained well and you didn't make any mistakes. 
you didn't get fucking lucky. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I'm like, of course it is. <laughs> like, no. So even if it's the right person, like, especially they're like, oh, no, we had some cross tracks and we were tracking through an apartment complex and the dog did great. And I'm like, oh, my God, my anxiety is so high right now. Oh, tell me you didn't bite somebody wrong. And they're like, no, no, we found him. We didn't even bite him. It was great. We found him on our porch and we're like, hey, we're going to bite you, blah, blah, blah. And the guy came out. It was great. I'm like, yeah, perfect. So yes, that's how I'm supposed to. Right. I, I tell, I tell my guys the term I use for tracking because we track a lot over here is uh, you got to be a connoisseur of the wind. You yeah. got to oh, yeah. understand that. It's in the state so song here. More success. Yeah. It's in, <laughs> in the song, the wind. Um, can, can so I I one more question. Can I bring yeah, up absolutely. one thing real quick? Yeah. yeah. Um, the latest thing that I've been running into, and it just blows my mind. And it's coming from the legalization of marijuana. Uh, the latest thing, and I was in Chicago doing hits. And I had 500 in my room. And a guy raises his hand. He says, Mr. Licklider, how often should I proof my dog off of marijuana? Now, when he said that, 10 people, 20 people were all raising their hand going, yeah, yeah. I was convinced that Danny Parker was hiding out there somewhere. And it talked these people into saying that to me mm-hmm. because I, I, I stood there and I went, okay, is, is, I got to ask you a question. Is your dog trained on marijuana? No, sir. Now I know Danny set me up. <laughs> I said, so you're telling me that your dog's not trained on marijuana, but you want to know how many times you got to prove him off. And I said, how many times do you prove him off of ink pens? How many times do you prove him off of shoelaces? How many yeah. times do you peanut hey, butter? This guy's, this guy's looking at me like I'm, you know, I got something growing out of my forehead. I said, how often do you do this? And every last one of them said, every training day. I said, you're training them on marijuana, and I moved on. Yeah. We're not teaching these guys anything. You know, I still teach a relatively the same class at seminars around the world that I teach to my brand new people. That, 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 and they won't let me change it. These people that bring me in, they won't let me change it because these, these young handlers aren't being taught anything. This guy was taught by his trainer that he had to proof his dog off of something that he was not trained on. Yeah. Yeah, because that guy don't know shit either. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's the new one. They're all proofing them off of shit they're not trained on. So. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny you say that. I had to... I sold a dog to an agency in South Carolina and um, uh, no marijuana, three odors, no marijuana. They wanted to see before the dog got, before the guy left, they wanted to see the dog work a room that had a marijuana hide and not hit on it. Yeah. And I was like, what are, what are we doing? How freaking stupid is this? And and it, the dog, we, we did it because they were not going to take possession. Uh, and they were not going to let this guy roll out. And I'm like, you guys are, you just don't know what you're talking about. No. When you got those, those, uh, lieutenant's bars, they did, they drilled that hole in your lobotomy. <laughs> yep. And you're, it's over. So, so, uh, a friend of mine that's uh, local, uh, is a really good defense attorney. Um, and I had a conversation with him about this and he said, um, because in Oklahoma it's medicinal, right. And, um, it's not in Kansas and not in Texas, but it is in Arkansas. So like the surrounding states were kind of like 50, 50. So he said, he was like, most of the time when any of my clients are popped with things that are scheduled, 
um, there's also marijuana in the car. Um, and he said, so it becomes an issue for me is because I know how you guys do what you do. He was like, does the dog learn that that's part of the odor? And if we go back to the soup method, right. And we're doing like, you were talking about the soup thing and like doing the whole bundling deal, right? Like, does the dog learn this over time? And I looked at him and I'm like, I'm not going to fucking answer that. And so he was like, but do you do it? And I'm like, well, you know, when we have, um, cause we, cause here in Oklahoma, we have, um, cleat, which is our version of post. Um, we have a state certification standard for the state, um, for detection. Um, you can choose right now, whether you want to do a three or four odor dog. And regardless of what the efficacy is, is not beyond this conversation. But if you're already on marijuana, you have to stay on marijuana for the remainder of the career. So we have joint training days. Right. And because of U.S. versus Jordan and some other things that we talk about, and I'm like the dogs that are not marijuana dogs, we we tell the handlers and we're like, "There's some there's some four odor dogs here, so you got to pay attention, and you have to pay attention to being exposed to that as well on the street." And so uh, some of my guys that are three odor dogs, I'm like, well, if you find something, you need to document that the marijuana was already, uh, was, was already within the vehicle also. So the dog was exposed to it, but on top of that, they were exposed to fucking cigarettes and all kinds of other shit too. Right. Was, so they're, they're, they're like, whatever. So it becomes this, like, and the narrative has come from people like my friend where it's like, well, they're also exposed to it, but I'm like, yeah, but they're also exposed to fucking cotton and they're exposed to whatever's in the fucking car and they're exposed to tobacco yes. and they're exposed to like whatever else. Yes. And they're like, yeah, but none of those are fucking scheduled. I'm like, okay, that I get it. But <laughs> like, they're exposed to the you know. dirt bag smell more than anything. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we started yeah. not training marijuana on any dogs here at Von McKinnell's until that person tells us that they want it on their dog. And then we train the guys that don't have it on there. Go ahead and have have him come up on it every now and then. Monitor how he acts when he does that. But these guys are training it every time they train cocaine, every time they train. And that's to me, crazy. that's associative. So yeah. Oh yeah. And my my other new favorite thing is the so and so says he can train marijuana out. No. Of the dog. <laughs> not not possible. No. no. So what you know what they're doing? They're just killing these dogs. I mean, they're destroying yeah. them. Confusing the shit out of them. Yeah. Uh, Overcorrection. You know. So what we're gonna do is when he gets there, we're gonna hit him at 127 on the on the e collar. That's it. He'll be done. He won't ever right. sniff right. marijuana again. Oh, right. Okay. You know, along that along that same vein, every every time I get a group of young handlers together, they start asking me questions. I'll ask them a question about rewarding and reward schedules. Oh. I've got people out there telling telling these yeah. kids that I'm Here wrong, we go. that I'm full of shit. Uh -huh. um, and I'll, I'll ask them, "Do you reward on the street?" And I had a girl fight. I mean, just literally told me, "You can't." And I said, "What do you mean?" She says, "You can't. You can't reward on the street." I said, "Why not?" Because my trainer said you can't. You don't know what's there yet. Can you imagine if she said that or a cop said that in front of a lawyer? Yeah. They won't reward because they don't know what's there. You don't, you don't fucking train. You don't certify. What do you mean you don't know what's there yet? And so, yeah, it, it, it blows my mind. 
where that where I think that comes from, there is a large national certifying body that does the whole deal where they won't they want you to search in the vehicle, um, which is ignorant of case law. And once we have a good alert, we we have we have probable cause to get get into the car. The other side of that is there is a case that is outstanding or not outstanding. There is a case that is out there. It's U.S. versus Bentley. You can look, guy. If you're listening to this, like send me an email, send it to you, like whatever else. But it specifically talks about this, um, and the handler. It's in Illinois, for better or for worse. Kind of fucking fumbled it during <laughs> some of the questioning, uh, but like literally, like they said, yeah. Every time the dog gets out of the car, he gets rewarded. And well, and so like you can see where this goes, right? Like so, well, like, oh, yeah. like, he's like, so well, no, I get it, right? But so we're talking to attorneys who are not dog trainers, and like I missed the part where attorneys go through law school and they're like, oh yeah, we're taught dog behavior. I'm like, yeah. shut. That. I hear so much bullshit. Where don't you do this? I'm like, no, I don't fucking do that. Who does that? And they're like, well, I know. No, you don't get know. them addicted to the drugs. Well, yeah, there's that one. Oh, yeah. so they they tell me, they're like, well, I know somebody did this. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> and if you do, I probably know who they are. What's their fucking name? And they're like, well, you know, they get, they get to like really nebulous. But for everyone listening, the case is U.S. versus Bentley. And it talks about the, var- well, it doesn't specifically mention variable reward schedule, but it does talk about rewarding the dog every single time he gets out of the car, right? So then the dog, the, the argument is the dog's performing the trained final response. He's soliciting. That doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with variable response. No, no, it has nothing to do with it. No, absolutely not. But, I got a guy, I got a guy writing magazine articles about me. He says that I am dead wrong and that I'm teaching people around the, the, the world wrong. And he says, I'm talking about the variable reward schedule. He says a dog must be rewarded every time he finds a hide. And, and, no. he, and he uses cops. He uses cops. And when he does this, I just want to hug him. He says, no. look at cops on the street. When they, on Friday, they expect to be paid. And I want to hug this guy because he's, he's just an idiot. I, he, I go, I agree with you. But in that week, they better do more than one thing. They no. better do more than one thing. And there's, that's all we're asking a dog to do. There's fucking science and there's studies that yeah. describe that variable reward schedules actually increase drive. And that there, I mean, now, obviously, we don't do it in the early stages of training. Right, right, right. But during a mature dog, right, like, yeah. it, no. And variable, if you're not if you're not using variable reward schedules, you're just fucking wrong. But this guy puts this in I, magazines and calls me the idiot. And I just want to, no. I'd like to stand up in front of a crowd with him, me and him. <laughs> and, and, and just, oh, God. Have him on the show. <laughs> uh no there's no that that's just not true <laughs> we, if, we if still come across training groups that don't use blanks at all it's yeah every car is hot, every is hot no yeah none oh my yeah. gosh it's the same thing like so every time the dog is asked to search you find something so yeah. if he doesn't find something he just goes find something that's familiar and it's like it yeah. should be here so hook me up <laughs> look at all of them look at all of them that go to the uh the, the driver's side door and respond yeah and all they want to do is get inside there because these guys are not rewarding outside they're opening the door putting them up in there and that's where the dog learns he gets paid so he goes to the door it's so simple i've I've, we've said this on the podcast multiple times maybe a hundred times where i'm like i don't ever teach i mean i teach door handles during i don't let them go near them 
Well, and but yeah, I mean, I, like in the initial phases, like I'll let them do it. But during handler school, I'm like, don't let them fucking sniff. I don't right. ever put odor in door handles. And they're like, why not? I'm like, because your first fucking find, I guarantee you, is going to be some Probably dickhead yeah. that just bought some fucking dope <laughs> and he put it in his pocket and he used his hand and touched the door handle. And you're going to get transfer. And that dog, for the rest of his career, the first thing he's going to do is stick his nose in that door handle like an yeah. idiot every single time. You do not have to put odor in there. I swear to God, they will find it. I promise. What about the guys that open the car door? They won't reward outside. Yeah. They got to get them to pinpoint it. So they open yeah. the car door. Well, the dog learns, oh, okay, I just sit on here. I get to go inside and then he'll pay me. It's yeah. so simple. It's when so I'm simple. training, when I'm training a dog for a, a department. So in Ohio, we have a state standard, uh, everything. So we can just certify. Yeah. We don't have to do any nationals, but anytime I'm training a dog for an agency that is using uh, a certain national stem, uh, standard, I absolutely refuse to train the inside the car. I yeah, refuse I do to do it. Yeah. I say, when he gets back to your agency, if you want to train inside the car and, and eventually someone's going to set case law with that, uh, <laughs> you have to do it. I'm not going to do it. Motherfucker, get in a name on a t-shirt. Not right. right. <laughs> Master no. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, and now with fentanyl, I'm just not putting dogs in. Nah, it's just right. not I'm happening. good. Uh -uh. You know what I mean? All right, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping up here in a second, but I do wanna I do wanna ask a question. It's been on my mind since you mentioned it earlier. I and listen, I can be I can be easily told that I'm wrong. I personally think that the giant schnauzer thing in the in this industry is a gimmick. Cause I have seen nothing but shit uh -oh. dogs. Uh oh. Can you change my mind? Have you had a lot of experience? No, oh, I I don't want to change your mind. That they're I got to buy the very first ones in 1982 that came into the military. We bought eight breeds, six, yeah, six, eight breeds. The giant Stouser was one of them. We brought them in to try to figure out which would be the best dual purpose dog. And I got to train at Lachlan because I was the kennel master there, six of each of those breeds. They were so different back then that they weren't one of the ones we chose, obviously. So their popularity you know, we drive the market, you know, the military does, we do. So the giant Stouser's popularity has gone down and it's hard, very hard to find one that is street ready, that is that has been trained, you know, street trainable. I had one six, eight months ago, he was a beast. And he, I could, I could hardly sell him because he was so big and he was so strong. They are different, they, they, they're hard to find a good one. So I think people just don't bother anymore. And from that, the market drops because those people are there want to make money. They know where the, the money's coming from and they know it's in Malinois and German Shepherds and Dutch Shepherds. So there, can there be a good one? Yeah, but is it hard to find them? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've, we've come across a few, Ted and I doing some seminars. There's been a couple of them. Boy, they've not been good at all. No. No, but they get purchased because it's different. Because and they're cool looking. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. They're kind of cool looking. I'll give them that. They are. And Some of the big what, ones are big. Man, back in the '70s and '80s, them sons of bitches would eat you. Um, <laughs> they were just a little, little bit wired wrong. So we, we, we pushed them off the list. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard to find a good one. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. All right, man. This has been an amazing episode. So, Kenny, talk yes. to talk to everybody about like 
where they can find you, where they can look, if they're looking for a dog and they need a handler school, all that, all that kind of stuff and anything you might have coming up in the future. Well, you know, we have a very big school here and I, you know, I'm prejudiced because I run it and I, I wrote it, but there's a lot of good ones out there, but ours is a good one. We've got 600 acres and we bring people in. We have our own hotel, our own bar, our own restaurant, and we have planes, trains, every, every area. And that's the key training as many areas. So we've got that. We've got great, they're all cop instructors. They're all guys that have walked the walk and been on the street. And we try to change our course when this needs to be changed to give the best product to the policemen that come in. One thing we do every summer, and I want you guys from Ohio and you guys from Oklahoma to get your asses up here, down here, across <laughs> here, is the, the Olympics. We have a seminar slash competition every year. We've had it for over 20 years. It's designed by police, it changes every year because the judge for that particular event does it with us. It's not the same thing every time like some of these organizations and it's all police work. And you get, and there's people from Australia, uh, Turkey, Brazil, all over the world and Ohio. That's a foreign country, right? There's right. people Basically. from all yes. that. Yeah, but they all come in and I want to invite everybody. Some people I think have got the miss. They think it's a Von Lick thing. No, it's not. I just started doing it with Steve Stoops many years ago. I want people in here. We have a we have a concert at the end. This year, we've got Rush, we've got Journey, and we've got Boston. Get if the you fuck out come, of here. If you don't, I, hey, I've had everybody here. I've had Ario Speedwagon, uh, everybody, everybody here. Foghat. Um, but come here and compete. Come here, and it's like, it's, it's like, uh, I want to say the word, but I'll get in trouble. Um, it's, it's like the, the other Olympics. Everybody gets a slobber and a hug. Everybody gets, you know, everybody has a good time and, and you learn. You learn because you're with some of the best. The Australians came in they, and they, we have classes. They put on the way they track. You got to sit through that and, 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 and listen to them. So I'm putting it out there every August. This year, it starts August 21st. Come on. Uh, and if, you put win my, a, if you win a trophy at this thing, you're a bad mofo. Let me put and in it, my damn phone. Can come I come on. and sit in a lawn chair and drink all day? You can judge. <laughs> you guys can judge or you can compete. Uh, we, we get judges. We get some of the best judges out there. We feed you. We have a big, big banquet at the end and food Thursday night. But I've Rush, I've seen them here. If you're into Rush, oh, my God. It's I'll amazing. be into that journey, man. That's my era right there. Journey's amazing, but you got to come. So it's August 21st, goes for six, six and a half, seven days, six days. All right, I'm putting uh, Olympics. But go to seminars. Do what these guys said. Listen to other people. Don't think that however you learn or whoever taught you knows everything. They don't. I, no one does. I'm, I'm 45 years next month, and I still learn every day. So um, great, great thing we all got into, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. So the, oh, yeah. the Olympics is now on my phone and because I have OCD real bad, I am required <laughs> to follow what the phone says. Good. Good. So, because good. I have OCD real bad. <laughs> so, we got a lot of Oklahoma guys coming up here now. And Yeah, oh yeah, I know. Hey, bring three yeah. of your best guys with your Oklahoma flag and whatever the hell you guys do. And come it's up a rainbow. Our asses. Yeah, it's, it's a rainbow flag. It's a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the it's the it's the national oil industry flag. That's what. Hey, <laughs> that's and, what ours. And one is. last thing: what you guys are doing, 
along with the seminars, all this stuff is some of the greatest things. When I came in in the 70s, nobody did shit. What you guys are doing, and all you people out there, listen to these shows, listen to these guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can't help but learn. So, congratulations to you two guys. You guys are doing great. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks. it. So, I the just best drink way beer for- and tell jokes. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, I think we're, we're 1.2 million downloads now. I mean, we have a lot of yeah. people listening. So, awesome. for sure. It's awesome. going pre- way more than when you were on the first time. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so best way for someone to get to reach out. I, Hey, I want to come up and see what you got. What's going on. Is it through the website email? How, what's the best way? We've got a really good website. Take a look at it. Um, email is Kenneth at bondlick.com. Um, there's always someone here. We love visitors. If you want to come visit, if you want to bring your dogs, if you've got dogs trained by somebody else and you want to come over here and use this 600 acre facility, give me a call. Come on. Uh, we're firm believers in synergy. We're firm believers in getting canine handlers together. That's what makes us stronger. So yeah, you're probably six hours for me. would be my guess. Where are you so at? What not, big city? Uh, Canton, Ohio. I don't think you're six hours. It might not even be five and a half. Yeah. I, I got to go up the end of March up to the Muscatatuck there. That, that, yeah. And, yeah. That's not, that's what, like an hour from you, maybe? About an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's not that far. Stop it. Yeah. I may have to. So, Ted, how about you? Where can people find you? Uh, Torchlight Canine, letter K number nine, Torchlight Pets. Um, of course, working under, what, working underscore dog underscore radio for uh the podcast and then hrd police came on uh we just announced we're going to bend oregon uh june uh, 6th to the 8th or 4th to 6th i don't remember but it's on the thing hr police canine hrd police canine.com that was just announced today uh we got a swat one coming up um down in louisiana so that's gonna happen again but yeah uh, and then uh yeah that's it so that's that's where you can find me that's where all the police dog stuff is and the pet stuff and all the fucking frenchies are training and the doodles and (laughs) (laughs) it's teaching them to shit outside and sit on placemats so (laughs) yes so i'm at van s canine on instagram v-a-n-e-s-s canine on instagram van s canine academy on facebook i haven't connected now so i mostly just place post on the instagram and it pops over to facebook Ridgeside Canine Ohio is the pet side. If you want to see again all the same things Ted was talking about, I posted a video yesterday of an eight-month-old Great Dane climbing the open wooden oh, ladder. Oh, dude, I saw that police facility. Dude, I fail. Yeah, yeah. German Shepherds and Malinois all the time on that stupid ladder, and this this giant dog, two steps, bloop bloop, was up in the loft, boop boop, right back down. I was like, that's cool. You are awesome. That's cool. So it was pretty neat. Well, Kenny, man, this was awesome. We've been Thank looking you. forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you're, you're cl- if you guys go to, say, HITS this year, uh, Ted and I are instructing at HITS. Uh, are you at Blue Line again this year? Uh, I was going to go, but Danny's going to go to that one because I've got some stuff I've got to do. Yeah. So if you get to HITS this year, which you should, HITS, hits uh, canine.net is the site. Get on there and take a look at it. Go sit in Kenny's class. It's as entertaining as he is here. Um, he's his class. And he, like you said, has really not changed much, but you could still, even if you've sat through your class, I've sat through twice. If you sat through it and, and it's, a, it's still cool to be in there and listen and hear, and there's a, you fill up a room. You have, you get a lot of people. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. And it's from your talent. Ted and I fill up a room. It's because of this stupid podcast. 
<laughs> no, that and and that. Yeah, and we're funny. So yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I'm, I'm entertaining. We do cuss a lot, which yeah, is that's true. And we tell ridiculous stories. So yeah. and show videos of my dog biting people. It's fun. It's good and stuff. we pepper it with case law. So I mean, I'm like, oh, don't do this or do do this, and this is why. And they're like, oh, it's great. You're funny. It's great. I mean, I learned yeah. something. I'm like, yeah. And then he exactly. shows a video of me punching someone in the face on a. That's true. <laughs> also very true. That does yeah. happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kenny. Thank you very much, buddy. And we'll see you all on the next one. All right, but we'll see Excellent. you later. Thanks, guys. See you now. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.